Hi, this is Pete. This is Social Distancer. Uh, it's been a bit of a strange day today. My son split his lip when we were playing outside, and uh, the blood was, you know, dripping down his face. And he's okay. Uh, he cut the inside of his mouth a little bit, just uh, the gum above his one of his um, front teeth top front teeth E6 I think it is and the, you know British dental um, tooth map and yeah shook him up a lot it's the worst accident or injury or you know illness he's ever had we're very lucky incredibly lucky um, he's had colds and he's you know scraped his knees before but worse one so it shook him up a bit but you know he's okay uh, I on the other hand was in hospital for the first two years of my life Great Ormond Street hospital no less and it's where my niece uh, they saved my niece's life a couple of years ago as well my brother's daughter just if you're not too clear what a niece is so that's good. Good people there at Great Ormond Street Hospital. Hmm. So yeah, a bit of a funny shape to the day because of that incident. You know, we were having a lovely time outside. He was loving it, the game that we were playing. Um, and then that happened and everything changes, you know. It got me thinking, what are the chances of staying inside for um, 12 weeks without an incident like that, you know? I mean, we so last Friday we had to break uh, quarantine, as it were, uh, because of my wee wee, and I went to the GP, as you all know. Um, and then today, this, of course, we didn't have to break quarantine because it wasn't, you know, too bad. But we were worried that he was, he'd, you know, cut his tongue or uh, lost a tooth, even maybe. But it was only a split lip, so, you know, it's okay. Um, but of course, you know, 12 weeks is a long time, and of course we don't know that it's only going to be 12 weeks, yeah? So, you know. Um, interesting uh, milestone in terms of the confirmed cases has ticked over uh, above a million, and Noel in New York who has been kind enough to send two readings of his journals posted on social media that if New York was a country it would be the fourth uh, highest uh, the, the country with the fourth highest number of cases so there's a massive amount of um, cases and deaths unfortunately in New York at the moment it really is the epicenter of the virus at the moment um, so my thoughts with Noel and everyone in New York, uh, you know, we're, we're sheltered, but of course the risk to me is uh, massively increased because of my low blood oxygen saturation, and I was listening to a very uh, sobering podcast it's a BBC podcast, it's the people that used to do Brexit cast, and I think it might be daily, 
but the one that I and I don't listen to it. I think it's called um, you know, coronavirus news or something. Um, the one I heard today is, which is the the episode is called Bad News. This fella Adam, who I really like, he used to be the Brussels correspondent for BBC News. I can't remember, I can't remember his surname, but anyway. Adam, whatever his name is, he was saying that he finds it difficult to talk about death and how he feels that it's kind of got to become a bit of an issue for him, that he, you know, he's not downplaying death, but he's avoiding talking about it. And of course, you can't really do a podcast about um, COVID-19 if you're not comfortable talking about death. Luckily, I embrace it try to get onto the subject as much as possible, you know? I um, do the old hokey-cokey with death. The scythe, it's, you know, it takes up a lot of room when he puts the scythe down. The scythe is long, long scythe. But he's quite nimble, you know, for someone that's always been around. Anyway, um, so they had this guest on who had been working in palliative care for 30 years took early retirement to then kind of start up a kind of advocacy uh, like group or you know maybe it's just her to try to get people into the idea of not being uh, as afraid of death as we are in Britain because we're really terrified of it and she was saying you know what you've got to get your head around is that it is I mean, obviously, it's a natural thing, but it's also, it's akin to, you know, you losing energy. You know, your body loses energy. So for the person that dies, you are uh, basically going to sleep, you know. Um, I'm not entirely sure, you know, whether all deaths are like that. Of course, there are some sudden deaths that are definitely not like that. But in terms of COVID-19, the body does have a kind of progression of slowing down, even if it's quick. The the kind of pattern is the same, or the um, the process is the same, you know. And so you basically become unconscious, and then you die. Uh, but she was talking about these very difficult to think about, and incredibly difficult things to discuss, aspects of becoming very seriously ill. And she was talking about how it's important for your loved ones to know what your wishes are if things go south quickly, you know. So, for instance, do you want to be ventilated if you have a condition, which means that you may not be, you may never recover, you know. You may be, um, like, you know, your mind, your brain, may be compromised to the point where you're, you know, not functioning as you used to. Your body may never recover. Do you want to live in a, you know, a life like that? Um, And of course, there's so many unknowns, you know, because you have no idea about the kind of, you know, the possibility of recovery, really. Obviously, you have no idea what you're going to let yourself in for. And of course, then there's the other possibility that, you know, the NHS is so overwhelmed 
that the choice is taken out of your control. And, you know, if I'm up against a, a number of other people who don't have blood oxygen levels at 88 and would recover better if they were on a ventilator, then I might not even get the opportunity to have a ventilator. But I'm also not too sure if I do want to, you know, live, you know, in a way which is massively compromised. My mother had a stroke, which was a massive stroke, and the surgeons at the hospital she was rushed to managed to save her life, but she then lived in um, what certainly was called then, I don't know what the term is now, but essentially a vegetative state uh, for a, a year of her life. So the final year of her life, she moved her thumb once. And apart from that, that was the only um, movement she made in that whole year. She was, she, she could breathe on her own uh, after a while. And, you know, my dad religiously visited her every day, even though she was in the south uh, west uh, hospital in the southwest of of uh, London, and my dad was in the northwest. So it took him a long time to get there and back again. And his boss, brilliantly, he was managing this, you know, the, the property in um, St John's Wood, and his boss would let him take off like five hours a day, amazingly. Um, but when I saw her in that condition, I thought, there's no way I want to, I mean, you know, <laughs> but it, 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 that is my nightmare, you know, I'd rather die than have that, you know, that's a proper nightmare um, to live like that. Uh, of course, none of us, none of us know whether she could perceive us or on what level she could perceive us. These unknowable things, massively stressful year for us. Um, and then she died. So, yeah, it was a quite a sobering podcast. It's probably worth listening to. It's called Bad News. Now, I just watched a fantastic film, which has got nothing to do with coronavirus, but it's, uh, I must tell you about it. 30-minute documentary. It's not a film. It's a 30-minute documentary on a streaming... Uh, service called Shudder, which is dedicated to horror movies and horror documentaries. And there's a guy called Jay Cheel that is a presenter for a um, for another, uh, well, not a presenter, like a, a kind of co-host for another podcast, which is called Film Junk. Jay Chill is a documentary filmmaker. He's made a couple of documentary films and he's a proper you know expert uh, of film he knows a lot about all kinds of films proper expert and anyway he was approached by this streaming online service Shudder to make a series of documentaries about um, horror movies that have got curses attached to them 
So the, the series is five episodes long, each is 30 minutes, and each film showcase, each you know, uh, episode showcases a different horror film. First episode is about The Exorcist, so there's lots of rumors around The Exorcist, you know, people connected to the cast and people on the crew um, passed away during the filming, and various, various kind of funny, weird things happened. And there was this rumour going around that it was cursed, you know, because The Exorcist deals with, if you don't know, um, a, a possessed uh, child. And the mother goes down all of the scientific routes and they're Catholic and they decide to call in an exorcist, played brilliantly by Max von Sydow, uh, who passed away just... Uh, last week it's a fantastic film it's very disturbing even now it's you know obviously made to be disturbing it kind of you know uh, breaks a couple of taboos so you've got um, you know various horrific things happen in the film very effective horror movie brilliant film Um, and this documentary which I saw tonight is just fantastic, you know, including following an actual um, exorcist who does house calls. It's really interesting. Jay Chill exactly knows what he's doing, so I thoroughly recommend it. And the good thing is that you can see it all for free because you get a seven-day free trial. And the first one of these five um, cursed films has been released tonight but the next four drop in the next week so you can watch them all for free and then unsubscribe you know so you don't pay a pretty penny so there you go if you like the exorcist then i'm doing you a favor anyway take care of yourselves lovely talking take care